0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougal, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Our goal was, as we gathered to worship for Christmas, to glimpse the glory of God because When we see his glory, when we see him as he is, we will serve him as we should. And I think we just did that. I think we can pray and go home. (laughs) Oh, we serve a great God, don't we? And thank you, worship team. And I tell you, just to be here worshiping him in this uh, season, Arrival, is uh, all that we've been through this year, just being together and even being together via online accentuates Um, the preciousness of of this time doesn't it and just uh, of his presence and as we share that together thinking about um, Christmas traditions though and as we celebrate the arrival of our Lord as a family do you guys does anyone else have the tradition of jumping in the car cranking up the Christmas music and then cruising out to see the the Christmas lights anybody else do that I've heard some people like grab milk and donuts or eggnog or whatever, and they go head out and do the... um, I was talking to Mark Morgan, our town manager this week, and asked him, hey, it seems like there's a lot more people going through our winterland here in Danville. Sure enough, we're breaking records daily of the number of people going through it. I don't know whether it's a just get out and do something fun COVID thing or what, but uh, for us, for our family, it's coming up this week. We're going to head out and... uh, go wherever Mama Mac wants to go and see Christmas lights, (laughs) the uh, Meridian Street and up north and wherever. And one of the things that happens though as we're going through that night is inevitably someone will say, do you remember that moment when uh, in Milwaukee and the kids were young, we were in our minivan, we were on 76th Street there in Milwaukee, one of those streets where they just, all the neighbors join in and just deck out their houses. And we were, uh, we had Josh, Jesse, was in the car. Chad was in the car. We had Chad's friend Josh was in the car, as well as Chad's, uh, Josh's little brother Jacob was around three, buckled into his car seat right there by the door. Well, big score, we saw Santa up at the four-way stop, and as a parent, you know, oh yeah, this is perfect timing. All right, so Chad's pumped. Jesse's pumped. Josh is pumped, but little Jacob has no idea Uh, the glory of Christmas that's about to descend on him as he meets Santa big and bold. And Tam and I are like, all right, guys, get ready. We're going to pull up, open up the door, and and Jacob is going to meet Santa. So sure enough, we do it. Santa cooperates. He comes over doing his ho-ho-ho thing. And we heard what sounded like a foghorn going off on the Mississippi River coming out of our back seat. It was a scream <laughs> to end all screams as that door opens and Josh saw Santa. It absolutely freaked him out, and uh, we, uh, you know, and now looking back through his eyes, he's strapped in. He sees this big man that's you know dressed in red and hairy and saying "ho ho." Can understand that, but the uh, the otherness of Santa, the glory of Santa and his otherness left. Jacob with a desire if he could have jumped out of his car seat he would have been three blocks down the road I'm sure he wanted to run from Santa rather than run to Santa and we laugh about that more. we're like okay how do we shut him up and Josh is like you got to feed him feed him I don't know what we fed him but we Cheerios or Fruit Loops or something we were just stuffing in this kid's mouth and thankfully he did stop screaming <laughs> but uh but you know the Jacob's response to the otherness and the glory of, of what he saw reminds me of, of our fitting response to the glory of our God. When we see the greatness of our God, there's a, a reverent fear that leaves us backing away, and we know we don't deserve to be in His presence. Last week, seeing Isaiah just melt, saying, I, I deserve death, and, and we want to... Um, we do not feel comfortable in his presence, which is why the glimpse of glory that we're about to see as we glimpse our Lord's glory today is shocking but precious. And it's a, we'll see it through the eyes of John, and when we see it, it changes us, changes um, to the core of, of who we are and how we relate to our God. So if you would join me in John chapter 1, and we'll begin. John, uh, we'll read the first 14 verses. Verses 1 to 13, John gives us an opening context to his gospel. And he uh, starts, it, we, we have the Genesis narrative. He starts with, in the beginning, and he gives us a picture of who Jesus is, big picture. This is who Jesus is. But then he, uh, he explains who John the Baptist is, a key character in the, the life of Christ. And then he gives us a summary of current events. This is what's been happening on earth since Jesus has come. And then in verse 14, he opens up and we see a glimpse of glory that is uh, it's so, we're, we're just going to bask in, in that, that glimpse in, in verse 14. But he starts and says this, in the beginning was the word. Now the, this is a strange way, the word, is, what's that? And we'll find out later that's Jesus, it's a name for Jesus, but it's important to understand that word is the Greek word logos, which is... In Greek thought, it was the sum total of the knowledge and wisdom that ordered the universe. So, if you could say in one word, if you could encapsulate all the knowledge that we have in one word, it would be logos. And we know logos, it's translated word. What do our words do? What's a word do? It, it, words are how we express ourselves, right? When you want to express yourself, you say a word. This is the idea. God, this is God's divine self-expression. God's getting ready to talk, and he's going to talk through this word, through this Lagos. And the word was God, so Jesus is fully God, and the, word, or, and the word was with God. That's the picture of a relationship, the Trinity. The word was God, fully God. He was with God in the beginning, so he is eternal, and through him, all things were made. So he's the creator. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That idea of life there, both physical and spiritual life, and then light being that idea of, um, and we'll see light. When John refers to light, he's speaking of um, what is good the morally, spiritually, and darkness, what is evil, the presence of good and evil in, in our universe says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's the summary of Jesus. Now who is this John the Baptist? And he says in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness testifying to the light so that through him all might believe. Key word there in the writing of John. Believe is why he wrote the book. We see that later on when John sums it up over in uh, at the end of his book, he says, okay, these things, I, I could have written so many things to you, but I've written these things so that you might believe in the name of in Jesus Christ and that believing in him, you might have eternal life. Right here at the front, we see it. He says, It says, he himself was not the light. He came as a witness to the light. Okay, so now here's the summary of the current events. This is what's been happening. John's bringing us up to speed. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, and through the, through the, and though the, sorry, the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So when he says world, he's speaking of Gentile, Jew, everybody, world at large, missed their creator. They, They didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, here he's speaking of Israel. The people that, these are his own people, even they did not uh, receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born, not of natural descent, nor, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. Here we see the spiritual rebirth that that John will point to throughout his gospel. That's um, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not just made better people, we are made new people, spiritually reborn into the family of God. All right, here we come to the the glimpse of glory that is, uh, he sums it up here. The Word became flesh, and He made His dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory. So when John gets ready to sum up the glory of, of Jesus as he saw him, and remember who's writing there. John was one of the inner three who Jesus lived three years with and pulled into his circle of three and said, Guys, watch me. Know me. Um, learn from me. John saw him. What do you think he's going to say, reference? What moment is he going to reference when it, if he's about to tell us about the glory of God? Which one would do you think he's going to pick? It's pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, my mind immediately goes to, this is it. I'm confident I, I would get this right on the test. Is what, right? The Mount of Transfiguration. Near the end, when he pulled him, those three together and said, let's go up this mountain. And he pulled back his glory and gave them a, a little glimpse of the throne room glory, the Shekinah. And the father said, listen to him. And that's it, right? That's what he's about to tell us about. Well, let's Is that the case? Here it comes. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The glory of God, as John describes it, the glimpse of glory as we see Jesus, as God displays Himself to us, is grace and truth in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It says the Word became flesh. Really important, guys. The Word. Everything that God was seeking to communicate about Himself in His written Word was about to come to life in the person of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus, we see the glory of God, and we say, "Well, how so? It's uh, it's through His grace and through His truth." Say, so where do we glimpse the the uh, the glory of God in terms of? Uh, or first, before we dig into what it, what's what's it mean to to see Jesus full of grace and truth? The uh, notice the word "full" there, and I love this as we move into. Um, Glimpsing his glory. He was full of grace and full of truth. Both of them, are really important that uh, to have one or the other without, in an unequal way, leads to an imbalance of living and, and doctrine and a mess. But he, had, he was full of both. And I love the uh, picture of full. Like there was not, it's the word, uh, the Greek word that just says, to the point of overflowing. Like if you picture, in my mind, I immediately go to the, my morning, my green coffee cup that every morning I need to get all the go juice I can get. So I fill it right to the, the edge enough to pour in some creamer, stir it in, and then it's so full I have to sip it for like three minutes before uh, I can carry it anywhere. And Tam, in her grace, puts up with my sipping. But, uh, but that's the, the picture here. Our Lord, as he came, was full of grace and truth. And you uh, say, well, what is grace? He's full of grace. Grace... Familiar term for us, but, but I invite us just to rethink and, and let this settle on our souls afresh. Grace is undeserved favor, okay? Grace is different than mercy. Mercy is withholding judgment someone deserves. Grace is giving somebody what they don't deserve, and it's, it's, this, it's giving someone a gift that, that they did nothing to earn. It's extravagant kindness, benevolence, goodwill poured out on someone that they... Ha- did not merit in any way. So when Jesus arrives on earth, where do we see his glory? It's this. He came full of grace, giving undeserving people good things, pouring out his kindness, his goodwill on us. We say, okay, how so? Um, In what way do we see this playing out where do we see his grace in motion? And I love the way Paul sums it up over in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 and uh, verse 9. He says this, for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, you think about how rich was, was he as we think about the riches of his grace and think about or his glory and last week the, the picture of the throne room no way to describe how rich he was it says that though he was yet, though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor and you stop and think how poor did Jesus become you know if he could have come like as a uh, the king of all the world like he was the Caesar of Caesars that would have been an infinite condescension compared to where where he was king of heaven but he didn't come even as a king. He came as a peasant with nothing in his appearance. Like if you were going to come, you'd want to say, hey, at least make me good looking or respectable or whatever. He took a body that did not draw any, anyone to, to say, hey, that's a, a good looking person or it's nothing in him. He became poor in every way, even to the point of letting go of what he treasured most, which was his relationship with his father. When he took our sin upon himself, That for a time, that relationship he lost. Why did he do all this? It says, so that you through his poverty might become rich. To which we ask, how rich? (laughs) There's no way to calculate how rich we are. Is there as followers of Jesus Christ, the riches that we have received as a result of his grace? Um, So, this week, you know how sometimes you're reading scripture and you come across a passage that you've read some, several times, but something just jumps out and wrecks you and, and uh, pushes you, challenges you. And that happened to me recently reading through Colossians chapter 1. And it's Paul's just celebrating with this church, hey, well done. And, and, uh, but there's a phrase in there, Colossians 1 verse 6, where he says this. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard about it and truly understood God's grace. You know, when I read that, I was, okay, the gospel's growing and it's bearing fruit. This year we're praying, Lord, let us do good. Do in us and through us what you want to do. How is that going to happen? And I'm reading this and it hit me. John, do you truly understand God's grace? That's the question. Why is it so important? Because if I don't understand His grace, if I haven't seen His glory, if I haven't seen His grace as it is, I will never serve Him as I should. My service will be drudgery. My service will be pride to boost myself. My service will lack the energy it needs when it gets hard. But when I see Him as He is in all of His glory, if I truly understand His grace... I will serve him out of devotion and love, taking up a cross and getting it done. Amen? So, can we just, are you guys, is anybody else in need of a little good news today? (laughs) And oh my, this is going to make us want to go sing again, but just a glimpse of his glory. And uh, may I share with you, when you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and you put your faith in Him, and you surrender your heart to Him, you repent of your sin, and you begin to follow Him, God will pour, you have stepped into a river of grace that you didn't start and will never end. The river of God's grace will save you completely. By save, I mean it will fully restore the relationship you had with him, or that we did not have with him, that was broken by our sin, and you will be forever right with him. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say it this way But it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It, through, we know in Jesus Christ, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. There is nothing you have done or will ever do to earn God's favor. Guys, stop and think about this. Jesus came for us when? When we had it all together? (laughs) He came for us when we were sinners. We're we're that one sheep out of the 99 that was dead, lost, and He came after us not because we did something good to earn His favor, but because we didn't. And we can't. Our salvation is solely by His grace. He came full of grace, meaning not to judge us, not to condemn us, but to rescue us, to redeem us from our bondage to sin. So this is hard to get our minds around because we live in a performance world and we want to perform, we feel better, our pride wants us to perform, to earn God's favor, but here's the thing. Grace means this. There is nothing we can do to make God love us more than he does in this moment. Nothing you will ever do in your life to make God love you more than he does right now. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you less than he does right now. Nothing. It's grace. All right, but this good news goes on. Often we think, okay, I'm saved by grace, but now I have to serve God and become like Jesus by my own effort, right? And we live, some days we feel good and God's pleased with me, or God's, you know, and it goes up and down based on our effort. Does God's grace rise and fall on our performance? Not only are we saved by the grace of God, we are sanctified. By His grace alone. We're being transformed, changed by His grace. Any step that we have taken to become more like Christ and, and uh, become a person that reflects the character of Christ, it's by His grace. Over in Titus chapter 2, we see this both saving grace and sanctifying grace next to each other. As it says, verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Now, this grace not only offers salvation, but it teaches us, here's the sanctifying grace, to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for our blessed hope. We are being transformed by the grace of God. Does anyone still need his grace today? (laughs) Every one of us desperately need his grace and his sanctifying grace and transforming grace, and he is pouring it out to us. And even in our failures, he uses that failure as we kneel at the cross, repent to create a hatred for what we just did and move us more to be like Christ. And it's depressing, I know, to think, but it's reality. We're just continuing to pile sin on top of sin, aren't we? It, today, even this morning, we've all probably done something we need to confess, and here we go again. But what does Paul tell us, God tell us through Paul in Romans, as our gr- sin increases, what, what does grace do? It increases. doesn't, sometimes, or this is what, a paradigm shift, but Jesus is our great high priest. What's a high priest do? He stands, a high priest was to mediate between sinful people and a holy God. Today, Jesus is interceding for you and me before the Father, and it says he empathizes with our weakness. When I've had a bad day spiritually, when you've had a bad day spiritually, you've done things you know you should not have done, and you know we, we are before a holy God, do you feel the tendency to pull back, to hide, to not draw near. But do you know your sin actually moves the Lord towards you? You ever thought about that? As our high priest, it says he empathizes with our weaknesses. So when we sin against him, it's not a a rejecting and a get away from me. It's a come to me. And he's moving towards us. I, as a pastor, I fill this with, uh, and I know you fill this too, as a a member of the body of Christ. But I, I seek to pray through our whole church family every week, and I have my list and um, just lift up each family and our church family. But there are usually about three families every week that uh, are on my mind all day long. That. Minutes, or sitting at the stoplight here here this person comes and this family comes because, not because they're doing great but because there's someone in that family that is running breakneck speed away from God and I know it's going to wreck their life and it's going to wreck that fa- it's going to cause heartbreak for that family their sin doesn't and I think okay I'm an imperfect human and I'm drawn to that family I love that family and I'm praying for them and I care about them and how much more our God. This is grace and he, he, he loves us with this and this is how we're to love each other. But not only will his grace save you and sanctify you, his grace will empower you to serve. When we repent of our sin, believe in Jesus as our Savior, the really neat truth. He gives every one of us a spiritual gift. But guys, do you know what that word gift is in every, every time it's used in the context of a spiritual gift? It's the Greek word charis, which is grace. And it's Jesus, Ephesians 4, who gives the charis, gives the gifts. And why does he give give us this grace? So that we can have the joy of distributing it to each other and building each other up. And uh, so that we might do what he's called us to do. We see this over in 1 Peter, where, uh, get back here. He says, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift or chorus, grace, you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So who gets credit for our service? When we serve each other, we distribute the grace? Only God. And, and does God wait until we're perfect vessels to use us? How many, how many of us have reached perfection? Often we think, man, if I just get my life together then I will be fit for the service of God. Well, how many of us have, have our lives all together? Now, it's true, the more like Christ we are, the more His grace can flow through us. There is not one perfect, sanct- fully sanctified Jesus follower, and yet He's using us all. That's grace. <laughs> the, uh, I love this picture. He's put this this in jars of clay, and we're all jars of clay, but not only will his grace save us, sanctify us, empower us for service, it will sustain you through your valley seasons of life. And I can hear someone saying, okay, John, now you can start preaching because I'm in one of those. (laughs) I'm in a dip. I'm struggling. And and, uh, if you are feeling that this morning, you're in good company because that's where Paul spent predominantly most of his life. It felt like in a valley season. And and uh, he pled with the Lord at one point, Lord, I need, he had a, what he called a thorn in his flesh that would just torment him. And do you remember what Jesus told him? He said, my power, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, my power is made perfect in your weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, sustaining grace. And uh, maybe even this past week you felt that, where you're just like, Phew, I don't know if I have what it takes to get through this week. And we're at that last lap, or I feel like we, last energy to take another step, and then he provides. He is faithful, isn't he? My grace is sufficient for you. So not only will his grace save us, not only is his grace sanctifying us, empowering us for service, sustaining us through the valley, but his grace will see us safely home. And I love the way Paul says it in 2 Timothy where he's at, like the Lord stood at my side, and he will see me safely home, to him be the glory. And guys, when we, uh, by the way, for our our dying moments, when we, we walk that valley, God's grace will be with us in those moments. I believe he draws especially close to us, to his child, when we're in that valley. I've seen him do it, been with people as they've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and his grace is there. But can you imagine the grace we are going to receive when we step onto the other side? And this curse is lifted, and we experience home. We get home-going grace, but we will one day receive home-coming grace, the unsearchable riches of His grace poured out to us. Jesus came full of grace. We see it in so many different ways. The question is, are we seeing it? Because when we see it, see Him as we, He is, we will serve Him as we should. But not only did Jesus come full of grace, He came full of truth. And you say, okay, what is truth? If you had to define truth, how would you define it? And the simple definition is, truth is what is in accordance with fact or reality. Truth is what is real. The... Uh, think okay, what is not truth it's a lie or falsehood and a, a lie distorts reality. Jesus was clear that, that we have the enemy of our soul is the father of lies. He's a murderer, He seeks to steal, kill, destroy but um, he, he, the most dangerous lie is a half-truth. He'd twist the, the truth and, and uh, lead humans astray, seek to make us think life is over here or pleasure is over here when really we' Over here is sipping poison, and and it leads to to death. Jesus came full of truth. You stop and think about what a gift that is—exposing the web of lies and enabling us to see what's real. We live in a matrix right now, don't we? A dark matrix, and um, what we think will give us life, give us joy, give us happiness, give us pleasure—it's lies. Um, This is the domain of darkness that that we're born into. But Jesus came as the light of the world to illuminate the matrix that we might see what is truly life. And how did he do it? Through his teaching. We see over in John chapter 8, he says this. Jesus says this to those who had believed in him. If you hold to my teaching, hang on to it, believe, trust, follow, obey, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Really important distinction. Often we quote this and we just think, you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. But it's an if-then statement. Did you notice that? He says, if you hold to my teaching, then you'll know the truth. It's not like we automatically just see the truth First, we have to know what did Jesus say? What did he teach? And we have to step into it, obey it, trust it, follow it. And as we do, it's like the lights come on. It's like a a dimmer switch comes on and it's like, oh. One example for me early on was as a a young man, I I would read through Proverbs, one a day, and awesome for every age, but especially young ages, you're going up through all the stuff that can twist truth, and one of them, sexuality, and, and Proverbs chapter 7, and the, that picture of Lady Lust being like, she comes out, and she's beautiful, and she makes you feel all good about yourself, and she bu- invites you into her house, but what Solomon say, if you look in her basement, there's this massive graveyard of skeletons of men, strong men, good men, who she's taken down into the grave, and another picture of that was a cheesy show, but it was Hercules, and it it was Hercules, and there's this beautiful woman that's luring him, and he goes, and he touched, when he's about to touch her, she turns into Medusa, this snake's in her head, and uh, just horrible. That's the picture. It's what Jesus does for us, and what a gift. As we go through, and and, uh, life and temptation is just whispering, go this way, go this way, and how many times have you just heard Jesus say, follow me, follow me, look at me, truth is right here. Really neat side note, um, what Jesus said flat out works, and so sometimes I feel like as a, a community of worldwide Christians, we get all nervous, like we have to somehow back Jesus up. Now we have to defend the truth and, and make sure the truth doesn't get distorted, but do we have to back up the truth? <laughs> no, the beauty of truth is you've got reality st- backing you up, Right? G- it works like gravity works. And so just go with it, right? And what Jesus tell us in John 3, guys, here's the verdict. Light is coming into the world. People hate the light. Why? Because it reveals their evil deeds. And so they're going to hate it. They're going to try to reject it. What did COVID do to human intelligence and our human wisdom? This little microscopic virus, it turned us into a bunch of mumbling, bumbling idiots. Didn't it? So who are you going to believe? This smart college professor who says, this is all myth. Are you going to believe the man who lived, said he was God, died, rose from the dead, eyewitness account, and says, I am the truth, I am the light. Who who are you going to believe? i tell you what, these nine months gave an apologetic for... What a gift. He's the truth. Flat out works. And we know as Christians, don't we? And our lives should model that. And they do. You look at a family that's, that's living the truth, full of grace and truth. Beautiful. It's the way it was meant to be. And you don't have to freak out and go combative on people. Just live it. Right? <laughs> right? The, uh, okay, so. We have seen His glory, John says. He came full of grace and truth. So here's the vision. What's going to happen to us in this day for for you as you follow Him into this week? What, What will happen if we glimpse His glory and we live with His grace and His truth in clear view? And this is where it gets exciting. If we will see His glory, if we see Him as He is, we will serve Him as we should. We will become people who are what? of grace meaning we will go out and give people who don't deserve good things good things we will even give them our life that's the kind that's who we are it's what he's called us into follow me where let's do some good Full of grace so who in your life doesn't deserve good and you're we're going to go out as we follow jesus understanding the grace we've been given and we're going to give them good things so that's the challenge, one challenge. Find somebody who does not deserve any grace, any good. And, and let's go out, not just forgive them, let's bless them. You guys in? It's who we are. If we see him as he is, we'll serve him as we should. Second, we will be people who know the truth. Do you know the truth? People of truth, not just... Grace, but, but, but actually saying, okay, this is how life works. Come follow me. This is how it goes. It's not prideful. It's simply, I know the one who, who knows the, who is the truth and knows the truth, and let's go. And boldly and confidently, we're sharing truth. We're people of truth. We're sharing it with others. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly, others in the body. But we're also being bold to those outside the, the faith family. We, we have the light. We have the truth. And so we're, uh, we're people who are full of of grace, and full of truth. Does that sound good? Two questions to, to just think through this week as you, as you continue to, to let this text work on you. One, do I truly understand the grace of God? Do I truly understand the grace of God? And just bask in his grace for you. Second question, do I know the truth? Do I, have I become serious about learning the teaching of Jesus such that I'm actually living it, and then I actually know the truth. I've seen the light. The the lies of the enemy are exposed. Or am I, um, do I need to to take some steps in that area? And then as we glimpse his glory, may we go and reflect his glory. Amen. Amen. Lord, we uh, thank you for just this glimpse of glory through John this morning, and to see you again full of grace and full of truth. And Father, we thank you for the grace that you have poured out on on us and even in these moments that you're pouring out on us. We thank you for the truth that illuminates life and leads us into relationship with you and then allows us to, to be a blessing to those around us. Lord, we pray this Christmas season as we Um, go about just celebrating and enjoying all the the good gifts that you give us that as we see think about your arrival that that we would uh, just live with that prayer lord fill me up with your grace and your truth we pray this for your glory and in jesus name amen